Hey family, this is Pastor Stefan with Activate Ministries, and thank you for tuning in to the Activate Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and ultimately gets you closer to where God wants you to be. So let's get into this message. I want to welcome everyone joining us, uh, everyone here that came out in the rain, you know, in the rain in Atlanta when it's coming down, the streets aren't really equipped for it. People can't really drive the best. So thank you all for being here and pushing through. Thank you all for joining online. Um, and I'm, I'm going to dive right into the word because we're going to go through a lot of Bible uh, today. Um, but God is good. And the enemy wants us to question that. The enemy wants us to question the fact that God is good. And the enemy will highlight things to you, things that might have even happened to you, some things that you've experienced, some trauma that you've had to go through, some abuse that you've had to overcome. He'll try to remind you of these things and get you to question not only is God good, but is he real? He wants you to question, the enemy wants you to question if he is real, does he really love you considering the things that you've gone through? Considering your upbringing, considering the things that you were exposed to, does God really care for you the way that this Bible claims that he does? The enemy wants you to question all of that. He wants you to question everything that is said to be good about God based on our human experience. Is this in the way, Angel, this thing? Is that in the way? Okay. So... Because the enemy is constantly getting us to question the reality of God and if God is good, the best way to counteract that is to go back to the word of God. And so I want to go to the very beginning. I want to go back to Genesis 1. Um, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. And like I said, we're going to go through a lot of Bible. So I'm just I'm going to flow through this. So Genesis 1, that shouldn't be hard to find. You got to say amen. All right, so first story in the Bible. All right, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Say God is good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens and the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Say God is good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Say, God is good. 
And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Say, God is good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Just make sure y'all paying attention. God saw that it was good. Hallelujah. Hmm. I'm going to just keep going because I want to stop, but I got to keep going. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals, and that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Amen. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. This is where it gets really good. To be like us, they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God then blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Say God is very good. So when we look at all of that, and I was very intentional in reading every scripture in that chapter, it's because the word paints the picture that God is good, that he's intentional, that the things that he put in place were all good. The things that he gave us access to were all good. The environment that he established for us was all good. And when he looked back on everything, when he saw that he had made us, he said, it is very good. Excellent in every way is a translation. And so this is how God intended us to experience life in this world. Good. Very good. This is what his intention was. But when we look at the life and the world that we're experiencing now, We're in a different world. There was God's plan, and then there's what we experience. So this is a different world. 
And so the title of this message is A Different World. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are good. Hallelujah. And Lord, we pray that you continuously show us, remind us as to how good you are, how good you have been, how good you're going to be because you are a God that is consistent. So Lord, have your way during this time. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. We ask that you speak to us directly. Give us something that takes root, that can produce fruit in our lives, that, that, that causes us to be better, that gives you glory, Lord God, and that lights up the earth in the way that you've designed us. So Lord, reduce me that you might be magnified and have your will be done right now as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So that is an example. All of that shows us how good God is and what his original intention for us was. So now I want to go to Genesis 3 because this is when things kind of get shifted. And we're going to start in verse 4, Genesis 3, verse 4. And this is where the, the serpent begins to come and, and try to tempt Eve. So he comes after God has done all of this stuff, right? He, he asked her about the fruit that God had given him. He asked God about, actually, I'm sorry, let me go, let me go to, let me go back to verse 2 real quick. Genesis 2. So Genesis 2.15 tells us that the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. This is the environment where God had already given him everything he needed. And all he said to do was tend to it and watch over it. Okay? It says that in verse 7, then Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living person. This is Genesis 2. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, this was important. I'm glad I came back to this. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the Lord God, in verse 15, skipping to verse 15, when the Lord God placed the man there, verse 16 says, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a very direct command. Can we all agree? You can have everything you want. There's fruits, there's vegetables, and all of these things have seed inside of themselves that produce even more. And I'm not even asking you to put too much work to it. Just tend to it, watch over it, have dominion over it. I'm putting you in place to govern and, and preside over the things I have created because I've created you to be in my image. Just don't touch this one. And I always ask questions of the text. As we get into our words we should always ask questions of the text. What was so wrong with Adam having knowledge of good and evil? Because in one scripture, it tells us that God's people perish for lack of knowledge. So why is he here telling him not to eat from the fruit of knowledge of good and evil? 
And here's what came to me. What was wrong with him receiving knowledge of good and evil was simply because God told him not to eat from the, the, the tree. God told him not to eat from the tree, and in order for him to receive this knowledge of good and evil, he would have to disobey God. So it wasn't the fact that knowledge, obtaining knowledge is wrong, disobeying God is wrong. So regardless of what benefit there might have been in Adam's mind or Eve's mind to, to receiving this knowledge, it should have stopped at God said not to do it. The most difficult thing with us and obeying God is that we want to know it all. We want to know. Yeah, I know your word says not to do this, but what if I just dabble? What if I just try it? Have you ever disobeyed God just because you wanted to know something? Raise your hand. We're an honest church. Amen. All of us. And I, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I, I used to disobey God all the time just because I wanted to see things for myself, right? Um, but thanks, thank, thank God for his grace and him delivering me and transforming me. Uh, by the time I met my wife, like I tell you, you guys all the time, when you get saved and transformed, everything about you doesn't change instantaneously, right? Um, and so when we met, some of you know the story, we, we decided uh, prior to dating that we were going to pursue a lifestyle of celibacy. And so we had this conversation in the very beginning. But if I'm honest, I wanted to know. I wanted to know. God, I know you said and your word declares that, you know, sexual, sexual immorality isn't, isn't good, but I'm pretty sure I'm about to marry this girl. So let me go ahead and see. I want to know, right? And oftentimes, thank God, we, he, by the grace of God, you know, because we did some Netflix and chilling and, and things got out of hand until I broke out my Negro spirituals, which is the thing I use to kind of get me back in the spirit. But we made it, we made it through, but there's so many other examples where we, I, I fell because I wanted to know so badly that my desire to know superseded God's will for me to obey. And so what we're dealing with here is understanding that all we need is God's word. We don't need an explanation as to why can't I just figure out what this knowledge is like? Why can't I just experience a little bit? Why can't I just see for myself? All we need is God's word. Amen? And, and that is enough. If we follow God's instruction, if we follow his path and are obedient to him, we're good. When we take matters into our own hands and wanting to know so much, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. So he said, if you eat its fruit, this is God talking to Adam, you are sure to die. Then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I thought it was very cool how the Bible highlighted all of these things. He created the, the lights. It was good. He created the animals. It was good. He created the dry land and the sea. It was good. He created all of the vegetation. It was good. The first thing that God said wasn't good was for us to be alone. <laughs> 
So as he's creating the perfect scenario, he's creating a paradise for the beings that he created to live in. As he's creating this, he sees that there's an area of improvement. And that area of improvement was that we all need companionship. He emphasized the importance of companionship and healthy community, even in creation. So that's why at Activate, we're very intentional about bringing people together, forming community, because it is essential to us thriving as individuals. We're created with that in mind. And so he said, it is not good that man be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals. But there was still no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That's also how God intended it to be. An environment where we could just be vulnerable and not have shame. They were vulnerable, naked, in paradise with everything that they needed. Not a care in the world, no stress, no, no depression, no fears, no anxiety. This is what God intended when he created this world. But we're living in a different world. And I'm going to tell you why. So this is where the serpent comes in. And the serpent comes to immediately test the word of God. He asks Eve, did God really say that you couldn't eat it? And they had this back and forth. And, you know, the, the, the serpent was the, the most cunning and, and shrewdest creation. So it was very slick in how he approached Eve. Eve said, no, we can eat of everything except from that tree in the middle of the knowledge of good and evil. Matter of fact, we can't even touch it, Right? I used to give Eve a hard time because God never said that you can't touch it. But I understand that God didn't give Eve the instruction. He gave it to Adam. And if I'm Adam, I'm going to be like, listen, Eve, don't even touch that one over there. Right? Don't even go near it. Don't even touch it. So I'm going to give Eve a break because she was receiving her instruction from Adam, not directly from God. So... The enemy says, verse 4, Genesis 3 and 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. Mm. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So let me just recap. They're in the middle of the garden where God has given them everything they need. In the middle of the garden is the tree of life, and right next to it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What the enemy will do is try to get you to focus so keenly on the one thing that you can't have that you don't pan out and look at everything that God has done. 
everything that God has provided, everything that God has blessed you in, everything that he's done, he wants to get you to forget all of that and just focus in on the thing that God does not want you to have and the thing that's going to cause death in your life. And he was successful in getting Eve to focus in on that tree. It goes back to what I preached last week. We talked about how the Bible tells us to enter through the narrow gate because broad is the road and, and, and wide is the, the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to life and few find it, right? There are two, two options, destruction or life. That goes back to the garden. Tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that leads to death. But that path to death can look enticing. And the enemy's responsibility, his number one job is to get death to look good to you. She saw that the fruit looked good. And she was convinced. What are you most convinced by? Is it the word of God? Is it that God is good? Or is it that God has failed you because you were abused as a child? Because your parents left you. God has failed you. You're nobody. God has failed you. That's how he'll try to get you to focus in on the thing that God doesn't want you to have by positioning God in a way where he doesn't really value you the way that he says he does. So I want us to pan out and remember to focus on the big picture. God is good. Amen? And he's always been good. He's the God that is, the God that was, and the God that is to come. And the evidence of his goodness is found in the very beginning of the Bible. So I'm going to keep flowing through this. It's too much Bible for y'all? All right, amen. Good. Bible reading church, amen. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. Come on, Adam, who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open. It doesn't take long for sin to have its impact in your life. At that moment, their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So all of a sudden, paradise has become problematic. I don't have this freedom that I once had. Now I'm shamed, and now I, I, I oh my God, I'm naked. I'm vulnerable. What, we need to do something about this. That was not even a part of their previous thinking because they were covered under God's covenant. They were covered. They were in alignment, in the presence of God, in obedience to God. But the moment they switched from that, everything changed. Shame came. They were shameful at their nakedness. So, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves because when you step outside of God's covering, guess what you got to do for yourself? Cover yourself. When you do things that are not ordained by God, not in covenant with God, not under his covering, you are now left to cover yourself. So this is what they're doing. They're sewing figs, fig leaves together. They're piecemealing together their salvation like I talked about a few weeks ago. Instead of being obedient, now they have to take reactionary measures to cover themselves because they didn't accept God's covering as sufficient. So now they're sewing fig leaves together. Verse 8, 
When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. I can't read through this thing. When we sin, when we disobey God, we create distance from him ourselves. When we're disobedient to God's word, we ourselves distance ourselves. And so when I talk to people about the reality of, of, of heaven and hell and you following God or you disobeying God, is, is he going to send you to hell? No. You send yourself there. I heard a quote that blew my mind. It, it said, hell is God granting you your final wish to be left alone. I'm going to let that chill. Hell is God granting you your final wish to be left alone. He's not going to force you to be in his presence in this world. Why would he force you to be in his presence for eternity? So they hid. Then the Lord called out to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Verse 11, who told you that you were naked? These are all rhetorical questions. God already knows. The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. And I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? To make your husband eat that thing. What the woman do? The serpent deceived me. When you sin, when you're disobedient to God, you lack accountability. Let's play the blame game. God, I only did that because I didn't have a father growing up. That's why I, I've been living the way I lived. God, I only did that because they robbed me, so I went and I retaliated back. It's, it's the code of the streets. That's what I have to do. I only did that because that person disrespected me. They need to understand who they're dealing with. There's no accountability. There is no, God, you're right, I messed up, right? It's immediately the blame game. Who's to blame for my mistake? So, the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. This tells us that the serpent wasn't always on his belly. He was cursed, and that was the result. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the first message of grace preached in the Bible. I'll tell you what I mean. When he says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, the serpent and the woman, your offspring, Satan, and her offspring, Jesus, he will strike your head. Jesus will strike your head. That is a position of authority. He's, he's above and the enemy is defeated. You will strike his heel. This is God already, even as he's punishing them, letting them know that grace is on the way. He's already making provision for redemption as he's cursing them. This is how good God is. 
Even as you're making mistakes, he's figuring out ways to get you back to redemption in real time. So the thing that you're worried about now, the thing that you did last night, the thing that you thought on the way here, because you're in Christ, he's already made provision for it. And he was even doing that in the garden. I'm going to keep going. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband. I know that's right. But he will rule over you. And by rule, it just speaks to authority. So God, man, and then wife. Not ruling as in controlling, but position of authority. I don't want any men to take that and try to abuse their position. And the man said, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not, the ground is cursed because of you. Wait a minute. You said, if I eat this, I will surely die. What, where did this whole thing about the ground being cursed come from? Obedience, right? When we're obedient, we don't have to worry about any other implications. But when we disobey God, the implications of sin go far beyond what we expect. When we're disobedient, the impact and the implications of that disobedience go far beyond what we expect. He told Adam, you would surely die. Now he's telling him that the ground is going to be cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me all these fruits and vegetables that were just here for me to manage and maintain, now I got to work for it? The ground will now, verse 18, it will grow thorns and thistles for you. Wait, so there was just fruit and vegetables, no thorns, weeds, it was just all good? Now I got to deal with challenges and even in vegetation? Sometimes we can take things for granted. We can take things for granted and think that things are going to always be a certain way and then make a decision outside of obeying God and then realize, oh, I didn't realize how covered I was. I didn't realize how good I had it. I'll pick on myself for a little bit. My first job out of college was a great job. Company car, expense account, moved me to L.A., paid for all of my traveling and all that stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. L.A. is the best place to party Sunday through Saturday. Like, you know, I'm out every night, even though I got to be at work in the morning. It's cool. I'll be all right. I make my own schedule. I don't have to really pop up into an office every now and then, maybe once a month. I'll be good. I can stay out until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and, and stay under, uh, under the radar. Well, that one meeting I had to make it to a month, never made it to on time because I was hungover. It's cool. I'm in sales. I have a, a, a good reputation. I, I, I've done well. If I lose this job, whatever. I'll find another one. Well, guess what happens when you repeatedly show up late? for an, a monthly meeting that you only have 12 in a whole year and you're late to every single one, guess what happens? You get fired. That's death, right? Okay, cool. Find another job. I didn't find another job of that caliber for at least another six years. And now I'm stuck having to work through the thorns and the thistles of cold calling, going door to door, working commission-only jobs. 
when I had everything I needed in the garden, when I had everything I needed in obedience, all I had to do was just follow the plan. But because I got full of myself and wanted to know, what's this party life like? I know I shouldn't be out on a Sunday night, but let me just see. I just want to know. God, I know you're, you're, you're calling me to do greater things, but ugh, there are models and actresses and all types of people in these parties. This ain't North Carolina party. This is L.A. party. I just want to know. And that thing led to death. So don't forget how good you have it. Zoom out and look at all the things that God has done for you, all the things that he's brought you through, all the things that he's bringing you into, the things that he's shown you, the things that you've been able to reap from that you haven't had to work for. Mm. Things that have just come natural for you without even having to work for it. And remember that anytime you're shown something that does not align with his plan for your life. Amen? I ain't even got to my point yet because this, this word won't let me go, baby. It got a hole on me now. Kind of like you. Amen. Sunday is our best day. So he said, the ground will be cursed because of you. All your life you're going to struggle to scratch, scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, he still promises provision. As he's punishing him, he's showing him that there's going to be provision. Yeah, you're going to have the work, but you'll still eat. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and from dust to dust you will return. Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife, the first sacrifice. He had to kill an animal to get the animal skins. Can't go too deep into that. We don't have time. Then the Lord said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. That's the world we live in now. And it's a different world. We had everything set up. But through one act of disobedience, now we're living in this fallen world. And that's the challenge when it comes to being a believer. Because we see some crazy things. We experience some crazy things. We experience tragedy. We experience loss. We experience abuse. And it's hard sometimes to answer the question, if God is real, why would he allow X? If God is real, why do people, why do innocent people die? If God is real, why did he allow that child to get shot? If God is real, why did he allow fill in the blank with anything you've seen on the news? If God is real, why would he allow that? The answer is sin. That's why we experience the things that we experience, even when God is on the throne, the presence of sin. Before sin, there was no death. They had access to the tree of life, and the word tells us they would have lived forever. So death in the body came as a result of sin. Death and resources came as a result of sin. 
death in any area in the ground came as a result as a result of sin. And so there's God's plan, which we went through the whole chapter, and it was good. And after he looked at what he did with us, it was very good. Then there's the reality that we live in. So I just want to recap in these last four minutes. The plan was for us to experience everything good, and that's it. Our only experience was supposed to be good. We weren't even supposed to have knowledge of evil. So we were created to experience good. So in spite of everything that we are living in now, God is still good because that was his original intention. The light, the land and the seas were good. The fruit and the plants and the vegetables, the sea creatures, all this stuff. We were created, it said that all of the, the, the plants and the vegetation was created to be food for us. And all of the, the, the plants were to be food for animals. We were all supposed to be vegetarians and vegans out here. Right? Everything we needed for sustenance and, and health and fulfillment was already there. But when we look at the world we live in now, sin has thrown off the entire system. There was a system of love, of perfect harmony between us and our companions and the animals and the trees and everything, and God just freely walking in his presence. But sin separated us from God, caused us to have to fend for ourselves in many ways, and now everything is thrown off. So the reason these things happen now in this world, in this different world, in this different system, is because God's original intention has now been completely altered because of our sin. We were born into sin. And it happened so fast that Adam and Eve's firstborns, Cain and Abel, that's the first murder to happen. Cain killed Abel. So it immediately impacted our world. To not know death at all in, in the Garden of Eden and then the first generation of people come out and murder happens, that shows you the impact of sin. But the word also says that Vegetables were supposed to be the food for the animals. But in the world we live in now, instead of you seeing a lion eating a cabbage, he's eating a zebra. So when I tell you that our sin has broader implications that we can imagine, it didn't only impact humanity, it impacted the world. Carnivorous behavior, lions eating eating zebras, and they're all supposed to be eating cabbages together in unity, in harmony, right? Tigers eating deer, and they're supposed to be in the same place just eating fruits and vegetables and, and, and just being in perfect harmony. Our sin disrupted everything, so we're living in a disrupted world. The air, the stars, all this stuff was good. There's some parts of the city and the town and, and the nation, you can't even see the stars because everything is polluted. Pollution wasn't a thing. So sin had an impact on humanity, on the world, the environment, the atmosphere, everything. Everything is jacked up. This isn't an inspiring message yet, but it's getting there. Because I just want us to really understand that God is good. 
This was never his intention. This is a result of sin. This is a result of the enemy being cunning and, and, and getting Eve and Adam to disobey God. And we're living in the broader implications of that. I want you to look at the things in your personal life, the op- opportunities that you have to choose life or to choose the enticing thing which leads to death, and understand that if you choose the enticing thing which leads to death, the impacts are broad. Because we're living in the implication of what happened in the garden. He said that humans were very good. He looked and he saw that he had created man in his own image and in his likeness, and it was very good. And it was very good, right? Because he created us because he wanted us to be like him. He wanted to be able to have community with us and and share insight with us and have us carry out his plan. He wanted us to be like him in that he created light, but he didn't produce sun and moon until verses later. He created man, but he later formed man from the ground. He gives us the same ability to to create a thing, to all my artists in here, to create a thing. The song is already in your head. The film is already in your head. The end product is already in your head. And then he gives you the ability to go and form that thing. So he wanted that for us. In this current society, women, men, women, people, we are not good. We are not by nature very good as we were in the garden. You look at some of the things that, that, that have happened. Um, slavery is a big one. I get a lot of people, if God is good, why does he condone slavery? He never condones slavery. You go back and you read all of Genesis 1, and it tells you what God's intention was. All of this stuff came after the fall, after sin. And so God created us to have dominion over the birds of the air, over the beasts of the field, over the the sea creatures. He never said he wanted you to reign over other people. That was man. That's the corruption of man. So miss me with all all that, right? God is good. Also, also abuse of power. the, the politicking and, and the, the oppression and having one group of people uh, preside or, or be superior over another group of people, to have systemic oppression where certain things aren't made available to certain groups of people by how they look and the social economic implications. God had all of us experiencing everything and everything was done and given to us freely without us having to work for it. There was none of this separation. That's all a result of sin. So just because it's in the Bible, understand the Bible is just recalling events in history and it's Holy Spirit inspired. So it tells you real things that happen, which include murder, which include slavery, which include rape. But God never said, let us create slave owners. Let there be oppression. Let there be superior races over others. Let there be, he never did that. Everything that God intended is right there in Genesis 1. God is good. Now, last thing I'll say is, well, why, why does he allow this stuff to happen then? He's God. Why does he allow it to happen? Well, he allows it to happen because going back to us being created in his image and in his likeness, A part of that is us having this thing called free will. He wants us to have free will because he wants us to create freely the things that he's given us to do. 
But because of sin, now we have the complete agency and autonomy to leverage that same creativity to produce evil. And just like God didn't stop you, I'm not, I'm not talking to you, baby, I'm just, you know, looking this way. He didn't stop you when you formed your lips to say something that was about to be untrue. That's the same reason he didn't stop this other person from this attack. He didn't force me to keep it in my pants. Same way he didn't force her to keep the baby. That's a hypothetical. I didn't mean to, I don't have a baby up there. But what I'm saying is, God did not say, let us create robots that will be controlled and only do what we tell them to do. He said, let us create man in our own image and in our own likeness. And so if he intervened every single time someone was about to do something that didn't align with his word, he would be compromising the integrity of his creation. So God's desire is that we follow him. But his design for humanity does not require us to do so. His desire is that we follow him, that we obey him. And he's been trying to make it right and redeem the earth since the beginning. He tried it with Noah. He did it again with Abram. He did it again with Moses. He did it again with David. Then he gave us the new covenant and said that the commandments aren't going to be written on tablets, but written on our hearts. And then he sent Jesus, the ultimate salvation, the ultimate source of redemption to get us back to the place of Eden and the place of paradise that he created us to be in. That's the provision. Jesus Christ is the, the provision that makes everything right. So we have to endure this time, but this isn't the end-all, be-all. Amen? This is a finite time. So what do we do as believers, as, as, as we're here? And, and for those of you that have gone through tough times, as many of us have, I don't want to diminish the reality of the pain that you've had to endure, the things that you've had to overcome. I do want to encourage you and remind you that God is not mocked. Whoever perpetuated the things to you and, and, and caused harm to you, they will reap what they planted. That's the word of God. Vengeance is mine, says God. Okay? He is not mocked. And so we, we have to, to, to know the good news for this whole thing, and I'm bringing it home because I'm pretty sure that was the, the alarm that said time was up. The good news is that the first Adam blew it, and that's why we're here now. That's why we have to experience the pain, the trauma, the death, the, the turmoil, the lack, the, the stuff, right? But there is this man that is referred to as the last Adam, amen? The first Adam fell. The last Adam, who the Bible refers to as Jesus, rose again. The first Adam died. The last Adam overcame death. The first Adam completely blew it. The last Adam gives us all a shot even when we blow it. So there's always hope in Jesus. And 1 Corinthians tells us that the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. 
Hallelujah. I thank God that even in a place where death is inevitable, I have access to a life-giving spirit. And even though my body will decay and go back to the dust from which it came, my spirit will go to be with the Lord. And so while we're here, while we're here, you may feel like you've blown it. Hallelujah. You may feel like the thing that you've done is too hard to come back from. It's too difficult that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't see you, that God doesn't value you, that God will never forgive you. In Christ, you're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. And through Christ, he can get you back to where you were created to be. So, moral of the story is, the world we live in now is trash compared to the world that God created for us. But the Bible tells us to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we can acknowledge the challenges associated with this, this world, but we also have to acknowledge that the tree of life is still there. There's death and destruction, which people are going down a broad path towards, but there's also life that, go, that is accessible through the narrow gate. Amen? So while we're here, we're called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We're called to be the light. We're called to express the love of Jesus. The number one commandment is love God with everything, heart, mind, soul, strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, even in a fallen world. Because when we do that, the word says that we prove what is that good and perfect will of God. We prove that he's good when we operate in who he, he created us to be. We prove that everything in Genesis was not a fluke. That's what he intended us to have. The evidence is going to be you living in ultimate peace when the world around you is chaotic. You become the proof that God is good and that his will is perfect just by being obedient and who he called you to be. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. So if you're here or online and something in the text or something that was spoken, it reminded you of a decision that you made that did not align with God's instruction. You wanted to know, similar to how I wanted to know all these different things and I had to pay the, the price of it. You might very well be paying the price of it right now. And you think God has forgotten about you because what you're going through is tough. I want to remind you that God is good and that he still loves you. He still sees you. He still values you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus who knew no sin Cause him to become all of our sin so that we might become the righteousness in him. So all of the things that cause us to fall, the challenges, the mistakes, the setbacks, 
the desires of the flesh, the things that cause us to stumble. Jesus took that in his body, was nailed to the cross and put to death. And then he rose again, defeating death, the very thing that got us in this place in the first place. So death has been defeated in Christ. And as we surrender our lives to Christ, we partake in that victory that he has over death. And that's why we can live with hope, understanding that regardless of what we, we suffer here, this current suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed when we get to the place that has been prepared. There are implications of that here. There's a life that you're able to live here that is a life that is peaceful, a life that is full of the presence of God, that is full of kingdom community. And then that thing goes to the infinite power when you go and transition to be face to face with the Lord. And so my job is to remind you that God is good and to get you to come back into fellowship with him. So every eye closed, God, something different. If there is anyone here or online under the sound of my voice and you want to make a decision, to believe that God is good again. You've been hurt. You've gone through some, th some things. You've been abused. You've been abandoned. But today you were reminded that God is good. And you, you're, you're going to take this step today and going to live your life in a way that says God is good. All he wants you to do is take one step. And so if you're going to take that step, if you're going to pursue life from this day forward with the understanding that God is good, even though things around us have, have, have been challenging, I'm going to make up in my mind and I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to meditate on the reality that God is good. And that fact is going to dictate my life. Just raise your hand. Eyes are closed. Ain't nobody seeing If you're online, you put up the hand emoji. If you've yet to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, no better time than the present. If you're online, we're here for you. Email us at info at activateministries.org. We'll walk through this with you. Some of you have been church hurt, kind of skeptical with committing to anything. Only, per, only person we ask you to commit to is Jesus. But we'll walk you through the process. If you need prayer for anything specific, if you have been challenged with accepting the reality that God is good, considering what you've gone through, and you need freedom from that, you want to trust him, but it's hard. You want to walk with him, but it's difficult. You find yourself questioning, is he real and if he loves you? But you really want to trust him to that, to that degree. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen. And lastly, if you're going to, even in a fallen world, be the light that God has called you to be. Be the example that he's created you to be. 
share love, show love, be love in the areas that you occupy. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. So Lord, we thank you for everyone here, everyone online, everyone that will hear or see this at some point. And Lord, we thank you that you are good. We accept the fact that you are good. And we ask you to continue to remind us of your goodness. Open our eyes to the things that you've done in our lives, the things that we tend to overlook, the things that we tend to take for granted, and reveal to us your goodness in those areas, Lord God. And as you continue to reveal to us your goodness, Lord God, we, 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 we promise that from this day forward, we will express the love of God to those in every area that we occupy. Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that even though we were yet sinners, that you sent your son to die for us, that you loved us so much, even in our mess, that you sent your only begotten son to die so that we might have a shot at having everlasting life. So, Lord, we thank you. And we surrender everything to you, Lord God. Anything, I, I pray that you break any strongholds that might be holding your sons and daughters back from receiving everything that you have for them. I pray that you highlight to them the things that they've been considering that lead to death, even though they are enticing, and that you show them the path that leads to life. I know that few find it, Lord God, but we also know that few are chosen, Lord. I, I thank you for the chosen few that are here. And I pray that you direct them and guide them and lead them in such a way that they prove that your will is good and that it is perfect. And when they walk into a room, the love of God, the light of Jesus is imminent in them. And people are attracted to you through what you place in them. So have your way, Lord God. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast. We pray that this message has blessed you. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms and visit our website at activateministries.org to find out more ways on how you can partner with us. Any prayer requests, testimonies, or just to say hello, email info at activateministries.org. Let's activate.